This podcast contains adult themes, language, and violence. It is not suited to all audiences and may be triggering to some. In many cases, the names and details within these episodes have been changed to protect privacy. Opinions expressed by guests of the show do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast or its producers. Welcome to Isolated, a podcast about male victims of domestic abuse and control, as well as those suffering as a result of parent alienation syndrome. We are not therapists or experts in this field, but seek to bring these issues to light and provide awareness of early warning signs of abusive behavior and resources for help. Hello, and welcome to Isolated, a podcast for and about male victims of domestic abuse and control, as well as those who have been systematically isolated from their children and families through parent alienation syndrome. Both of these avenues of abuse are underserved, underreported, and undersupported. Only 10% of men abused by a domestic partner file a report or even tell anyone about their ordeal. But that 10% equates to one in four men having been physically abused. The majority of those who speak out say the mental abuse is even worse. With this podcast, we hope to shed light on these subjects, especially the early warning signs, so that victims can remove themselves from harm before it is too late. I'm Navi Carpenter. And I'm Chilla. We know it's a little odd that we are two women trying to support males abused by women, But for all the reasons men don't typically come forward about their abuse, they are also reticent to host a podcast. So here we are. In my family alone, three men have suffered at the hands of their wives through abuse, coercion, or alienation. And in 2020, one of my brothers took his own life as the only escape from abuse that he could manage. I am extremely interested in trying to provide support in any way possible. We're not therapists or experts in this field, but someone has to start bringing awareness to the signs of an abusive person or unhealthy relationship and begin to remove the stereotypes surrounding male victims of abuse so they can feel more comfortable telling someone or asking someone for help. While there are some alarming statistics regarding male victims of abuse, remember that it is severely underreported, with only 10% of these cases brought to light. Chella, why don't you lay out these statistics? Okay, here they are. The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence reports these statistics. One in four men have been physically abused, slapped, pushed, shoved by an intimate partner. One in seven men have been severely physically abused, hit with fist, hard object, kicked, choked, burned by an intimate partner. 48.8% of men have experienced at least one psychologically aggressive behavior such as having whereabouts tracked, being insulted, humiliated, and ridiculed by an intimate partner. Four in 10 men have been coercively controlled, isolated from friends and family, blackmailed, deprived, threatened, and economically abused by an intimate partner. And in 2019, the World Health Organization included a new mental health classification, ICD-11, known as apparent alienation syndrome. The statistics are yet unclear, but all three of your family members and some family friends as well have been victimized by the syndrome, right? 
Absolutely. It seems like it's becoming more and more common or maybe it's just becoming more like something I hear about more, you know, it just wasn't on my radar before. Right. But it's unconscionable to me to want to deprive your children of a devoted father's love and presence and to deprive families of seeing their sons or daughters or grandchildren. I I just don't get it. But we will do a deep dive in a later episode as to what parent alienation syndrome is, the early warning signs, etc. In fact, early warning signs of abuse are what we want to hammer home in this podcast so that perhaps men can have a full toolbox of ways to recognize abuse and reconsider their choices. I want to start with what is said to be a landmark case of Alex Skeel. Landmark because his partner was the first woman to be jailed for coercive and controlling behavior in the United Kingdom. Um, and what do we say here? Like trigger alert, content warning. <laughs> yeah, this is such a horrific story. And I know some people are going to say, why didn't he just leave? But you know, it's never that easy. And because that seems to be a common response to stories about any domestic abuse, like walking out is just so easy as going to the store or something like that. It makes it harder for abuse victims to come forward. For sure. You know, the flippant response of, well, just leave, is not what these people need. No, right. You're absolutely right. You only have to walk an hour in those shoes, not a year or a month, but an hour to know it's not that easy. So judgment in that regard needs to be removed from the discussion. Yeah, I agree. All right, so back to poor Alex Skeel. He and his girlfriend, Jordan Worth, and I so want to say worthless. I agree with that, too. Were 16 years old when they met in college in 2012. They dated amicably for the first five months, and Alex is quoted saying that she really paid attention to him and that everything was just fine. But Jordan began slowly showing very jealous behavior, which caused the couple eventually to split up. She contacted Alex soon afterwards, telling him that she was, guess, pregnant. Pregnant. (laughs) Alex said that he would support the child, but he could not be with Jordan. Yay, Alex. He knew at that point that this was not a good match for him. Absolutely. It's like that inner voice is telling telling him. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'll be here for that baby, but do I have somebody else? Do I have to be with Jordan? Not so much. He didn't hear for her for a year after that. In 2014, Alex's mom got a text from Jordan asking if she was interested in meeting her grandson, TJ. And of course, she was. And soon after that, somehow, Jordan and Alex got back together. And Jordan moved into the Skeel family home with Alex and his mom and dad. You know, a kid is such a good bargaining chip. Right. (laughs) I know. Mind games began almost immediately, said Alex's mom. Jordan was academically superior to himself, said Alex, and she would call him stupid, dumb, and simple with regularity. And I'm wondering, do you think that's something Alex came up with on his own? Or is that just something Jordan, you know, made him think? Made like, him think. I'm you're... smarter than you, Well, Alex. apparently I know she got better. all A's in school and he didn't. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're not smarter. You just weren't applying yourself yeah. or you had other things going on. It's her on. good abuser behavior. Or she was just so anal that, you know, if she got, like me, when I was growing up, if I didn't get an A, my mom's like, uh, why? Yeah. yeah. What's why wrong with you? you? Yeah. Why is a B? What's this B doing here? Um, so Alex's family treated the couple one night to a theater, the theater in London. in London one evening, after which Jordan disappeared from the hotel in the middle of the night making everyone panic and search for her. 
She reappeared in the lobby an hour later, laughing like it was just all a big joke. Psychopath. One day, Jordan told Alex that his grandfather, whom he adored, had died. Alex sobbed with grief and despair for two hours before Jordan finally told him she was just kidding. Why wouldn't you just call it quits after that? I... I, I would just be like beside myself. Why? Why? I would. Just, First of all, what, what is an wrong evil with you? Person. The mental and emotional abuse ramped up during the two years they lived at home until one day Jordan packed up her son's belongings and told Alex that she and TJ were moving out and he could either come along or not see his son yeah, anymore. There's that bargaining chip. Right. You know, Alex was only 19 at this point. Ugh. So you can see how it would be difficult at that age to consider that there were any legal avenues for him to get shared custody. And then again, maybe he didn't even have the financial means to get legal counsel. I know. I personally wouldn't want to give up seeing my kids, not for anything. No, I would be, I would also feel like, okay, well, I guess I better stay. Yeah. Got to do what she says. <clears throat> I mean, after all, at this point, she's just kind of a loony. I totally get it. Anyway, rock and hard place personified is what that, I just, yeah, that's the perfect picture. Mm -hmm. In 2016, the couple moved in together. And by July of 2017, Alex would be days from death. It began with Jordan taking Alex's phone and getting him a new phone with a new number so that family and friends had no way to contact him. And he probably had no way to contact them because I don't know about you, but the last time that I... Memorized a phone number was... 2001. 19-something. Hmm, I mean, no, seriously. I mean, I just... I don't even know yeah, my own I know, husband's I know phone a total of two numbers. <laughs> and one of them own. is 911. <laughs> I know my own and 911. Yeah. She also closed his Facebook account and created a new one that she had control over, through which she sent nasty and demeaning messages to his friends to estrange them from him. Yeah, that's alienation. That's oh a classic warning sign of an unhealthy and abusive relationship. Absolutely. So when someone tries to keep you from contacting or visiting family and friends, run. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. This is how it starts. The beginning of alienation from everyone you know so that the abuser has all the control of the flow of information. You can't speak to anyone. Then you can't tell them anything sucks at home. You can't compare what's going on with someone else's situation and say, wait, that's not normal. Which is so important. Like even you and I, we're like, you know, this is, this is what's happening to me. Have you ever, have you ever, does this ever? Yeah. I mean, this does this piss do. you off? Does yes. this seem like it's okay? Uh -huh. Absolutely. So there's no one to compare to. There's no one to say like, hey, so-and-so is taking over my Facebook. Would you be okay with that? No. You know, isolation is a clue. It's an important thing to recognize. If you think it's happening to you, try to talk to someone, seek therapy, even an outside perspective, anyone other than the abuser. Talk to somebody in the bus, a neighbor. It doesn't matter. The mailman. Yeah. The Amazon guy. <laughs> Who comes around with <laughs> frightening frequency these days. This happened to two of my family members, and it's like you have lost them, but they're not dead. And you don't understand why they're not talking to you anymore, and why they won't visit or let you visit. And you start wondering what it is that you did to cause the situation. Like, now it's my fault that my family members aren't talking to me. And now it's your abuse. Like, you've, the it's abuse has... trickled down to me. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Once Alex and Jordan moved in together, she also took control of the finances and the food. And 
don't mess with my food. <laughs> she doled out a meager amount of food to poor Alex, who was already a very thin guy. And she would tell him what to wear, and he complied because he wanted to impress her. And when he wasn't impressive, she began to hit him. Jordan would accuse Alex of being unfaithful and was totally paranoid and jealous. And this is what broke them up in the first place. Right. So the initial warnings are rearing its their ugly heads back. People do not change without a lot of therapy. Yeah. It's almost like his first instincts were on point. They were. Good for you, Alex. Good for you. And 2020 is nasty hindsight. Yeah. So Jordan began sleeping with a glass bottle next to her bed. Psycho. And in the middle of the night, she would wake him by cracking him on the head with this bottle, demanding to know what and who he was thinking about. What the heck? Like, what What would anyone be thinking about when you're sleeping in the middle of the night? And what is a bottle to the head going to tell you? I would be thinking, what a whack job that yeah. you just hit me in the head with a bottle. That's all I'm thinking. I'm asleep, lady. <laughs> exactly. Eventually, she demanded that he sleep on the floor. The floor was his bed for eight months, and he only had extra clothing to use as a pillow and a blanket. Her physical abuse escalated from fist and bottles to a hammer, and she would hit him in the shins, the arms, the head. And That's one of those crazy. blows to the face, she knocked out a tooth. Alex said he got used to the pain. I don't, I, what? Yeah, losing a tooth I, should I, not be like part of a relationship. I don't get used to, I don't get used to pain. No. Uh, well, I don't know. That's my bad neck. I guess I've gotten used not to Not physical that, pain like that, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, once he got used to something, she would ramp it up a notch. And throughout, Alex said, it wasn't a nightmare all the time, and I really wanted to make a go of it. That sounds like abuser language. Like, it wasn't really that bad, but it was. Because you don't lose a tooth if it wasn't that bad. I think it's also male language. Like, I wanted to make a go of it. I didn't want to fail yeah. at my marriage and my kids. I didn't want to fail. Yeah, he loved her. I wanted to make this work. And... Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've heard this so many times from abused women, you know, about the cycle of abuse. They get hit. The guy apologizes. He treats her like a queen for a little bit. So she thinks it's okay. It's over. I love him. And then bam, cycle starts all over again. And there are actually four distinct phases of abuse. There's the first one, tension building, where the abuser feels wronged or ignored or whatever. They may accuse and yell and demean while the target feels they're, they have to walk on eggshells. They're afraid. They're anxious. The second is incident. The abuser attempts to dominate the target through verbal, physical, or sexual abuse. Then there's the all-famous reconciliation. reconciliation. Yeah. The abuser feels bad. They try to initiate a reconciliation. They buy you flowers. They take you out on cool dates, on a dinner, on a vacation, whatever, as if that is going to make up for... Hitting, hitting you, you in the head with a hammer. Yeah, or calling you horrible names. Then the fourth one is calm. The abuser's kind. They're calm. They agree to counseling. They ask you for forgiveness. But the apologies become less sincere over time. And the cycle, guess what? It returns. The tension starts building again. And here we go. Somehow for me, like, stage one sounds the worst. I, I don't know. I just, I think... Maybe not the first time, but the second time, you're like, Do you uh, feel like the abuser is almost like waiting for it? Like, they're like, oh my gosh, here it is. 
step one. They're going to start feeling like I did something. You mean the abused? I'm sorry, the abused. Yes. The, do you feel like the abused is, is recognizing these steps, but they don't necessarily feel like they're in this cycle, but they just recognize Maybe think they think this is just how so-and-so is. I think what they say about your body responding before your mind, like your body knows. Like, right. Uh-oh, here, uh-oh. But I uh-oh. think it's part of, your, uh, part of your brain that, like, is like, it's okay. This is how, you know, this is how Jordan is. First she gets mad. Then she's happy. Then she apologizes. Then she takes me out. But then that she takes me out. Well, like, that's on a date, okay. right? Oh, I thought you meant like she takes me out, like oh, with no. a hammer. No, she takes me out like on a date, <laughs> on a vacation. You know, buys me some flowers or. But you just bypass the incident. I mean, you right. gotta take well, into account. But I think that's the point. Ugh. You know, you it's mean like their mind jumps over the incident. It's part? like the abuser is like, oh, maybe if I do all this, uh, they won't see uh, the bad. I like I knocked Alex's tooth out, but here's a, some daisies. <laughs> I don't know. God, it's awful. <laughs> we, we're joking because we don't want it to be so down that, you know, we're causing you to, yeah. I mean, we're average but, people. Yeah, we, are we are real average people. people. And I know this is what real average, average people, people think. think. Totally. But unfortunately, we have had to dive deep in through circumstances, through my family, to recognize that average people will com- sometimes come up against very not average circumstances unfortunately it all sounds terrifying to me you know as far as i can tell in reading this case jordan and alex never sought any kind of counseling i know alex had lost close to 70 pounds at this point and that is a huge difference for a skinny dude oh my gosh for a skinny dude oh my gosh even so, the couple decided to try for another child. Because babies fix everything. Of course. And Jordan became pregnant because she's fertile myrtle. <laughs> Jordan started abusing Alex at this point with knives. She's graduated. Yeah. To the and kitchen she doesn't tools. stab. She, like, slashes. She, like, uses it like a hammer, but it's a knife. You know what I feel like when you when I see you making those gestures? <laughs> it's yeah. almost, like, defensive. Like, in her mind, if she's not jabbing... It's it like, really... she's like, no, don't yeah, do this. <laughs> it's like, she can be like, I slashed because I was scared and worried. And you know what I mean? It's yeah. almost like your body language speaks for itself. Like she, in her mind thinks, here I am defending myself. It's hard to say. I don't know. You know, I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> don't bother me. Let me forward, <laughs> forward you off with the knife. But after knives, she started using boiling water. Oh. Yeah. Oh. The first time she burned him, she backed him into a corner with a kettle of boiling water in hand. And he said, quote, I can still see the first tiny drop of water falling onto my skin. It all happened in slow motion. And afterwards, my skin was curdling. Tell me you don't think of like a war victim, like a, uh, like a prisoner of war. Even, I... Any little tiny burn, you know, with the iron or my curling iron, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, ah, burn. that burn pain is just it's so worse. horrible. There is nothing worse. I just, I remember a friend of mine in high school having a incident in uh, chemistry where he got burned, and uh, yeah, I and it can be disfiguring. I mean, uh, like, you know, it's not just the physical in the moment pain it could be forever he could look at that burn and be like 
They I remember when Jordan that curdled he, my skin. He had burn scars over 5% of his body when he was rescued. I don't know. I think you tend to not survive after 20 or 30%. I don't really know. I'd have to look that up. And I, I'm not really sure how much 5% of your body is, but right. apparently it was... But it's a painful 5%. Way more than the rest of us have ever had to endure. Yeah. He said the pain was nothing like anything he had ever experienced, end quote. Alex begged Jordan to let him take a cold bath to try and stop the burning. She complied, and Alex felt some immediate relief, even though his skin was peeling off. Oh, that sounds awful. And then she said, get out, or I will do it again. He said he was frightened of Jordan and what she would do. He felt that if he told anyone, she would kill him. He would go to the hospital for injuries and make up excuses, like, I just burned myself in the shower. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't think second or third degree burns are really possible in the shower anymore because we set the temperature to such a, you know, I mean, it's... Right. Because we have a water heater with a control With a control. But But it's, that's just... I mean, no one should be frightened of their partner. Well, you know, are, I'm not though. a therapist. A lot of them are. But the psychology of all this is so complex. I know, I know. It's heartbreaking to me. One night, while he was sleeping on the floor during these eight months, she poured a kettle of boiling water on his back. And Just for, had, like, no reason? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say what the reason was, but probably something stupid, like he wore green that day. Oh, gosh. He had long since stopped going to the hospital for his wounds, and the second and third degree burns were now self-treated using cling wrap, which caused them to become infected. Yeah. Did we Google those, uh, what to do with what second to, and third degree burns? What to do when you can't go to a hospital with a third degree burn? You know, when I was a kid, my mom was like, put butter on it. Yeah. My mom was like, put a sliced tomato on it. <laughs> oh, God. Why? I don't know about you, but the butter didn't really help me feel any better. Yeah, the tomato made me feel like a sandwich. <laughs> Together, we could have been <laughs> Once Alec was rescued by police, they also discovered he had hydrocephalus, a buildup of fluid on the brain caused by major head trauma. The guy was close to death, about 10 days away, the doctor said, to be exact. So at this point, I mean, no one is... There's no red flags here at the doctors at the off at the. You would think, but I like I said, I think in the in the last year he stopped going because yeah. there was probably so many incidents. So maybe on... there's no record of his no injuries. Right, not until he got rescued. The couple had their daughter Iris in May of 2017, and Alex, ever the hopeful one, was thinking that the new baby would divert attention and relieve him from abuse. He said, quote, we had two kids together now, and I was just hoping something would change. My fear was always that if I left, she'd turn her abuse on the kids, so I stayed, end quote. So scary. Uh, I can just imagine the confliction. As a mom, I would do whatever it took to protect my kids. So at any risk to myself, I would just take it. I would feel like, you know, these kids are such a strong bargaining chip for abusive women to keep their men from walking away. And... I can definitely see how hard that would be to navigate. I, I uh, ugh. just give me the heebie-jeebies. Totally. Another reason to note early warning signs in a relationship before marriage or kids are introduced into the equation, if at all possible. The peace Alex was hoping for after baby Iris was born lasted only three days. 
One day in a rage, Jordan came after Alex with a serrated bread knife. So scary. All I can think about are those horror movies. Like when someone breaks in, but this is your (laughs) intimate partner. You know, uh, uh, yeah. you can see the police photos. That knife was like 12 inches long. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And, you know, she comes slashing at you with that thing. He he said that she tried to slash him on like uh, against the side of his face. And so he raised his arm to protect himself, getting slashed in the wrist and the hand. Which is a total defensive. As he did so. Of course. Of course. You know, wound. The cuts were so deep. There was blood everywhere. Alex said that he was, quote, fortunate, end quote, to have had so many injuries when police finally arrived because he was fortunate that the injuries and his emaciated body made the evidence against Jordan pretty undeniable. It's proof. Uh, Yeah, well. This is my defensive wound. I guess you could, you know, it just didn't make any sense that he would cut himself like that. Well, well, it was a neighbor, right, who called the police because of the screaming, the shouting. So I read that Sergeant Ed Finn showed up at the house, found Alex sitting on the stairs with his hand wrapped like in a towel. And you can actually see on the body cam footage, he looks so thin and bony. His clothes are ragged, blood on the floor, in the bathroom, that ginormous knife. I know. But yet, both he and Jordan claim that Alex used the knife to cut himself. Right, because I always go for that 12-inch bread knife. Yeah, when I'm going to hurt myself. Jordan said he had a history of self-abuse. He was always hurting himself. Whatever. Anyway, Alex went to the hospital, but their claims of self-injury continued, and the couple walked out of the emergency room arm in arm. Alex, as best as I can tell from looking at the crime photos, with 30 stitches in his wrist and hand. That is not a small no. wound. <laughs> However, luckily for Alex, Sergeant Finn didn't really buy their story. He actually returned to the couple's home a week later after another call of domestic disturbance came from the neighbor. And he asked Alex if he was being harmed, but he insisted that he was not, that they were just arguing. Sergeant Finn felt he needed to get Alex away from the house and talk to him privately. So he got him into the patrol car and Alex still said, nope, we were just arguing. There's nothing wrong here. So finally, Sergeant Finn turned the camera off and he said, look, I really need you to tell me what's going on. And Alex finally admitted that it was Jordan that was harming him. That's how far the abuse goes. Oh my gosh. Even in private, he can't be honest. I know. And he said, I just don't want to get hurt anymore. Please make it stop. Exactly. Shella, would you read what Judy James, who is a body language expert, said about Jordan's interview footage with police when she was arrested? Absolutely. This is so fascinating. So uh, she said, controlling behaviors and domestic abuse tend to imply the one doing the controlling will be powerful, strong, and aggressive looking. But that is not always the case, and it can be that an abuser will, to outsiders, present as vulnerable looking themselves, leading to incongruence that can affect and confuse the victim. Jordan is openly trying to present as passive and polite, almost as though she's attempting to take on the role of the victim, or at the very least, the concerned partner. She signals a desire to be as helpful as possible by leaning forward with her arms on the desk in front of her, often with her hands clasped in what is almost a praying gesture. Her voice is taken to a high, soft pitch that makes her sound childlike, and her gestures appear delicate, as though they're trying to disprove any suggestions of aggression or strength. 
The policeman described her as slight and polite, and amazingly, this is the look she retains throughout her interview. Even when she's sitting, miming her attacks on Alex. Her How do you do these petite miming of stabbing someone? You're good. Oh You're really gosh. good. Her entire display is counterintuitive. She head tilts to show polite, active listening. She nods when questioned to show a desire to help. She could be anyone, but I just seriously picture her as this gnarly monster. A huge woman, like a Ursula or a, yeah, yeah, like You huge. know, but the deceive, like, is so good. I know, I know. Even appearing so docile, they threw her ass in jail 2018 Woo! after Jordan pleaded guilty. She became the first woman to be convicted of controlling and coercive behavior in the UK. She was jailed for seven and a half years. Not enough, in my opinion. Uh, Yeah, true. Alex said he sometimes thinks one of the main reasons he is alive is to raise awareness of domestic abuse against males. And I can't help but think, too, that maybe the only silver lining I can see coming from my brother taking his own life to escape abuse is that maybe that's something that I can do, is also to raise awareness. Yeah, and offer support. Right. I mean, with Alex and so many others, they're isolated. They feel completely alone. They're at the mercy of their abuser. It's hard to fight back when there's seemingly no one in your corner. Um, Alex hadn't spoken to any of his family in two years, so there must have been this fear in him that, you know, they wouldn't be interested in what he had to say. Right. They wouldn't be interested in helping him. They wouldn't be there for him anymore. Right. And, and then there's this yin and yang between feeling such shame and French frustration, yet also wanting, trying to make your relationship work. Not, not wanting to be a failure at being a father or being a parent or being a husband. So much comes into play. And when asked why he didn't get out of this abusive relationship, Alex has said, quote, you don't know until you're in it, end quote, which is something we all need to remember. It's really so true. It goes back to what we said, idea. like, yeah. just leave, just no, leave. It's not that easy. If you or someone you know needs help, you can call the domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or go to their online resources at domesticshelters.org. We have these links and others on our website and hoping to accumulate more for you, more resources and more places to get help. I think I can safely say for the majority of family members that no matter how long it's been that you've been estranged from us or isolated, we want you back. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what has been going on and we want to be in your corner again. And it doesn't matter how much time has passed. So please consider contacting a loved one. Tell them what you're going through. Try to come up with a plan together on how to extricate yourself from abuse safely and protect your children, at least uh, for long enough that you can get your head clear and straight and not under the influence of somebody who's telling you that you are the worthless piece of crap that you are not. Yeah, it's worth the attempt. Yes. It totally is. And we are by no means experts in this field, but having just dealt with the suicide of your brother this year, we hope this will help us, uh, all of us, to become more educated on all aspects of the issue. Um, It's just criminal. And I'm so glad there may now be some precedent for arresting arresting abusers and getting some mental help. Absolutely. I mean, we are learning together. And at the same time, trying to let men know that they are not alone and what they're experiencing. I mean, you may feel like you're the only one, but you are not. There are so many of you. And 
Men are reluctant to report their abuse because they feel embarrassed or ashamed or they're scared of partner retribution or feel that they will be disbelieved or humiliated because you're supposed to be the stronger sex. Yeah. They may feel that there's a lack of resources for you. Some men cite religious beliefs that dictate remaining in the relationship no matter what. And some are just in denial that it's as bad as it is. It's that old story about the frog and the cool pot of water. Have Which you, I, no, have I've heard never heard of it. So if you apparently, if you put a frog in a pot of water on your stove that's cold and then you just incrementally increase the heat, they will never jump out. They will just cook until they're appetizers. That and so awful. it's like you just don't realize you're in hot water until it's way too late. Yeah, that sounds god awful. I know, and I've never actually tried yeah, it. But please it's don't. Supposed to be a thing. <laughs> I'm not gonna try. Um, yeah, uh, all of those reasons sound pretty legitimate in many respects, but not insurmountable. So we know there's hope. We hope to bring you many stories of survival and healing. Um, Thankfully, Alex Skeel is now a football coach and a dedicated father to TJ and Iris. Woohoo! Yay, Alex! <laughs> yeah, he shares his story with others in order to help other men who find themselves in similar situations. Um, we are also given to understand that domestic abuse against males by an intimate partner happens to gay, bisexual, or transgender persons as well. As always, ISOs, we pray for your safety and healing. Until next time, be safe, be smart, and survive. If you or someone you love is being abused by an intimate partner, we have resources listed on our website at isolatedpodcast.com. If you have an experience, expertise, or advice you'd like to share, please send an email to notalone at isolatedpodcast.com or visit our website. Your privacy, should you desire it, is a top priority for us. You can support the work of this podcast and help fund much-needed therapy for men who can't afford it by becoming a member through our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash isolated podcast, which also gets you perks and benefits unavailable to non-members. You can cancel at any time. Your five-star review on iTunes will also help promote the show and help listeners find the podcast. Thank you so much for your support.